Hi, this is Mo. And this is Sarah, and you're listening to the podcast Bird Shit. We started this podcast to share our love of birding with other enthusiastic birders in the world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bird Shit Podcast. It's your host, Mo and Sarah. Hey. Covered in snow, but having a good time. So we've been spending a lot of time taking in different media. One of the things I've been taking in is this new Facebook group that I joined called Google Street View Birding, which is people. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use Google Street View, which is like the little yellow guy you like plop on the blue paths. And you use those cameras to go birding in the world of Google, trying to ID birds in different places all over the world. It's freaking nuts. So I have a question. Yeah. How often is Google Street View updated? I don't know. Actually, that's a good point because I tried to go in. Somebody had like spotted a bald eagle and like you can post the link to the exact part in Google Maps where you can get it. And I clicked on it and I did not see the bald eagle. I was like, okay, either I'm very bad at Google Street View birding or like this has already been outdated. So it could have gone either way, but they only posted the first sighting of that bird. So if there have been subsequent sightings that you they didn't like have those URLs in the ongoing doc that they have. But I feel like Google Street View... I don't know, because, you know, sometimes you used to use it to, like, spy on people's houses. And sometimes I'd look and I'm like, there's a car in my drive. Well, okay, I spied on my own house. Okay, there we go. And I'd be like, oh, look, like, that's my car in my driveway. And then, like, a year or two later, I went to go look at the same house to, like, see if they had, like, done any renovation since I moved. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's not my car in the driveway. So at some point, you know, they updated the image. But yeah, I wonder if they have, like, an algorithm for how often it gets updated, like, by how populous a place is or, like, oh, interesting. I think you work for Google. That's really uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh It's super cool that people are, like, using technology to find birds. Yeah. I don't know if you can put any of those on eBird. Probably doesn't count. Probably but. <laughs> not. But Sitting at my computer, I saw 30 different species on my screen. Yeah, that could have been from the year 2017 to now. Yeah. From India all the way to, you know, Oklahoma. Oh, that would be kind of cool. This is how close-minded I am. I literally thought about only using it in the U.S. Yeah, so that's what's really cool about this group is that they go all over the world. Like, you can go birding in places where you normally wouldn't go birding. That's cool. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. I don't know, like, any of the birds already. That's why I started with the bald eagle. I'm like, surely I can find a bald eagle. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> surely I can find a bald eagle. Nope. Nope. I was wrong. Can't do just, it. Just novice birders out in the real world and on the internet world. That's right. Well, the other kind of media we've been taking in a lot, lady, is Netflix. Yeah, we have been Netflix and chilling because it is chilly outside. And we have been binging some of our favorite TV shows. Since we are starting to get cabin fever, our minds are melding our two favorite things, which are TV and birds. Not really, but we'll just say they are. Birds, obviously, number one. Sex, number two. But we'll replace it with TV for now. And one episode, or one show that we've been watching a lot of is... The Office, American version, and we decided to kind of pair up what we thought the characters from The Office would be in the bird world. Yeah, this episode is like way, way out there, but if you're a fan of The Office and you're a fan of birds, hopefully those two circles overlap very heavily on the Venn diagram if you're listening to the show. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as we were going through and we were coming up with all these birds... I actually think we're onto something. This is, I don't know. It was a lot of fun to do this. And it's also taught me a lot about these birds too. And now I feel like 
maybe not like sight wise, but personality wise, like I understand the behavior of some of these birds so much better. And now whenever I see one of them, I'll be like, ah, that's a Michael bird. Yeah. And it's true that dogs and cats are pretty distinctive in personalities, but having raised chickens, like all of my chickens had very distinct personalities. And I think it's very feasible to think that all these birds also have personalities, like wild birds definitely have personalities. And we're just going to draw them out and talk about what they would be if uh, they were on the office. Um, Can I ask what your favorite chicken personality was? What personality trait? Uh, (laughs) Well, the smartest bird was definitely Henrianna. Henrianna was like the smartest bird. She was just like clearly the leader of everyone. But I think my favorite was probably Lolo. She was so fucking needy. Like she was so (laughs) small and she was the rooster's favorite bird. And anytime she was like annoyed or something, she'd just be like, and it just like freak out. And she was very much a diva. She like wouldn't go places the other birds were. And she was just, oh my God, she was such a little brat. But I was like, that girl has attitude. And I respected that. You're like, I'm into this bratty bird. Yep. Speaking of attitudes and very, I don't know how to say this, but you know, just like really super needy. Um, the first character we're going to look at is Michael, and the bird that we have for Michael is the Northern Mockingbird. So this is a medium-sized songbird, which reminds us of Michael, because they really like to make their presence known. They perch conspicuously along high vegetation or, you know, like high areas such as telephone poles, anywhere that makes them look big and important, which is something Michael definitely always likes to look like. Always eager to be liked, we also thought the Mockingbird's song, known for its artful imitations of other species, demonstrated this need to desperately fit in for Michael. So, you know, this bird's imitating other bird calls, just wants to be seen like those other birds, wants to be respected, wants to be included. This is why we think that Mockingbird call is definitely for him. This bird is also highly territorial which reminds us of how no matter what you accuse him of, he could be completely wrong, but he's still going to defend himself no matter what and figure out a way to come out being right. Finally, the last reason why we think the northern mockingbird represents Michael is that it is the state bird of Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Texas, making it the third most popular state bird behind the northern cardinal and the western meadowlark. It's too bad it's not the state bird of Pennsylvania. Oh, I know. That would have been perfect. Womp womp. Womp womp. But while we don't necessarily think Michael is popular by any means, you still end up rooting for him in his misguided adventures, and somehow he always comes out on top. Or at least third place. Yeah, or at least third place. (laughs) He's always coming up somewhere. So like the Northern Mockingbird, despite how much he may be annoying and do shitty things, he's still pretty popular. Yep, it's so true. Moving on to another popular character from The Office, um, we have Jim. So for Jim, we have chosen the Woodhouse's Scrub Jay. Now the Woodhouse's Scrub Jay has a mischievous streak, and they are some thrifty tricksters. As you know, Jim is always playing pranks on Dwight in The Office, and these Woodhouse Scrub Jays are always goofing around, and they've even been caught stealing acorn seeds and pine cones from Clark's Nutcrackers. Which we could totally see Jim being this Woodhouse Scrub Jay. They are a family bird. 
in which both the male and female help in building the nest, which is a great analogy for Jim and Pam's relationship. Jim is always desiring to make Pam happy in just about everything he does, but it is also worth noting the female does all of the incubating, though, which is, you know, still typical relationship. Sad realities. Oh, yeah. This mating pair will stay together throughout the year and often feed each other, particularly during the breeding season. They both defend their territory year-round, similar to how Jim and Pam create their own little universe in the world that is the office. Aww. Aww. Uh, It's a very vocal and playful bird, and let's be honest, it's a really attractive-looking bird. Um, It's blue and white and really captivating, and except for that time that Idris Elba was on the office, I think Jim is probably the hottest character on the office. Yeah, he's absolutely the hottest office character that I've ever worked with. You, you've worked with him? Uh, in my mind. <laughs> in my mind, for sure. Okay, I've got our next role play fantasy. <laughs> I am an office worker and you're Jim in the same office. Let's go! <laughs> oh man, you know my, you know my fantasies too well. I know, it's kind of weird. It's pretty vanilla, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, an office worker <laughs> fantasy. Yep, except I needed like full props. I need like a fax machine, and, like, an L-shaped desk. Yeah, I need, like, all the things to, like, really bring it to life. Otherwise, it's just not going to work for me. I'm vanilla but needy. Oh, my God. You're like your chicken. Oh, my God. I'm like <laughs> chicken. Oh, my God. Oh, Lola. Oh, okay. All right. So, following up Jim, we have Pam. And for Pam, we chose the common nightingale. While this bird does appear to be sort of plain and drab and brown from the outside, it is an underestimated bird of beauty that's been in a lot of poetry and arts, and let's not forget how much Pam loves arts. For instance, Homer draws upon the nightingale in the Odyssey, and T.S. Eliot actually referenced it in his famous poem, The Wasteland. John Keats's Ode to a Nightingale was described by Edmund Clarence Stedman as, quote, one of our shorter English lyrics that still seems to me the nearest to perfection, the one that I would surrender last of all. Stravinsky actually based his first opera, The Nightingale, on the Hans Christian Andersen story of the same name. And generally, like, this bird, while we might underestimate it, it comes up in quite an array of artistic mediums. As a species, it belongs to a group that we often call chats, which is perfectly appropriate for Pam's love of chatting. And it's also known for its song as well. The word nightingale is derived from night and the old English word to sing, which is galen. So, nightingale, night to sing. And that's true because this call often keeps people up at night and makes a ruckus. Sort of like how Pam takes a stand every once in a while and states her mind, forcing people to listen to her. So, even though the common nightingale might seem like a pretty plain bird for this choice, I think it does speak to Pam's often underestimated personality. Yeah, I think that's a really good one for Pam because I feel like initially when you start the office, you're kind of like, oh, this is like just the plain Jane office girl. Her like character evolves so much throughout the show. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Where you might just see a nightingale, but then when you hear its song, you know, you read it in the Odyssey like everyone loves to do and you're like, damn, the nightingale's up in here. Holy shit. Homer knew what was up. Yeah, so that was a good choice, Mel. Thanks. Another bird that we had a lot of fun coming up with for somebody was Dwight. And we talked a lot about Dwight. We were like, okay, Dwight should probably be a bird of prey. Like he, and, and even Sarah said, she's like, he's absolutely sees himself as a bald eagle, but he's not. He's in no way a bald eagle. No, no. So what we thought instead for Dwight was the Northern Shrike. 
It's no secret that Dwight loves weapons, and that's exactly how the Northern Trike kills its prey, by impaling it on spikes and saving it for later. The Northern Trike, like other Trikes, kills more prey than it needs, and even though it does feed itself and then feed its nestlings, it actually does store a lot of its food for later. While it is commonly known as wanton killing, it's not necessarily killing just for fun or to waste it. It's actually storing this food and saving it for later, sort of like how Dwight does with all of those beets. So if any (laughs) bird is going to be ready for an apocalypse, it's either Dwight or this bird. Because storing food is a really helpful adaptation for surviving periods of food scarcity. Which Dwight would totally plan out. Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah, this bird is more ready for the apocalypse than any other species. It's incredibly thrifty and very resourceful, and it's focused more on technique and outsmarting its prey than just using brute force, which, again, speaks to Dwight's abilities of just sort of, like, mentally doing somersaults to try to get what he wants. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to outsmart you and then try and use brute force and then fail. Yes, exactly. Shrikes are often very territorial, and these territories are defended from other pairs, They will defend their territories when migrating, or in their breeding territory, or even their feeding territories, and even in their wintering grounds. So when there are a lot of shrikes together, competition for these territories can be really intense because nobody wants to play with anybody else. Damn. They also make use of exposed perch sites where they adopt a conspicuous upright stance, and they use these sites to look out for prey and advertise their presence to rivals. Basically, not afraid to show that they think they are the best and the most dominant, and willing to pick a fight with anyone who tries to come into their territory. This is just spot on. Like, I'm just checking the boxes. Check, check, check. All right, well, here's another one that gets checked. So during courtship, the male will perform a ritualized dance, which includes actions that mimic the skewering of prey on thorns, and then feeds that prey to the females. And they also build well-stocked caches, which might include inedible but brightly colored items. So basically just using dominance as a way to attract a mate and then feeding her is pretty much how I envisioned Dwight and Angela's relationship getting courted the entire time. All right, bring us around to Angela. Yeah, so moving on to the Northern Shrike's mate, not for real, but in our in our fairy tale, we have the fork-tailed drongo. So this is a small African bird with short legs, which definitely reminds me of Angela. And this bird has an obsession with cats that also reminds us of her. It's not exactly the cat you're thinking of, but meerkats. So this bird actually uses its call to mimic the alarm call of other species, especially meerkats. So that way it can scare them off, basically sounding the alarm that danger is near, and they'll swoop in and steal the food that they have. This creature spends a lot of time following other animals to just swoop in and steal their prey, and we think this is a feature that we would totally expect from the not-so-kind, very sneaky Angela. It's so passive-aggressive. I know, and also the fact that they're obsessed with, like, meerkats, and she is obsessed with all of her cats. I thought that this was very appropriate and also seems very much like a behavior that would go well with the Northern Shrike, who's like spearing and skewing all these things and she's like tricking people and coming in and stealing stuff. So we like have two very mischievous, very like kind of creepy, scary characters. I don't know. I mean, birds don't have to be nice to be cool. And both those birds are super cool. And, you know, we all have a little bit of a soft spot for those characters in our hearts. All right. Speaking of soft. Speaking of soft, soft spots, spots. <laughs> next up we have Kevin. <laughs> so 
So for Kevin, we chose the horned lark. Horned larks are small birds that live in large empty fields that are roughly the same color and size as a clod of dirt. Perfect. Perfect. In fact, sand, dirt, and gravel flats are where they find home, and they tend to avoid habitats with trees and shrubs that most other birds prefer, using their own coloration for protection rather than the shade and shelter of the trees. Leave it to someone like this bird and Kevin to make um, interesting choices that go a bit against the norm. The horned lark appears squatty with short legs and a low-profile body, and when these little dudes puff up after a full meal... They look quite rotund, similar to Kevin. They have a really cool black and yellow marking on their head, which makes them look sort of like a superhero, which is not exactly Kevin-like, but still cool and worth mentioning. We also know that Kevin has a big appetite, and so does this bird. Horned larks eat seeds and insects, mainly grasshoppers, beetles, and caterpillars. And while most of their food comes from the ground, sometimes they eat seeds from seed heads by sitting on plants. And in agricultural fields, they may pluck and eat sprouting lettuce, wheat, and other crop seedlings. Seems like no food is off limit for this species, and that is pretty much the story of Kevin Malone. All I can imagine is a horned lark carrying a giant pot of chili and then dropping it. (laughs) I can just imagine a horned lark, like, perched on the side of a giant M&M's glass canister, just, like, (laughs) pecking at them, like, one by one. Like, yeah, there's a lot of of great horned lark uh, food images that... Are coming to mind. I know that is amazing. We are going to move on to Stanley. For this character, we have chosen the brown-headed cowbird. This bird, I think, does a good job representing Stanley. First off, it is not a monogamous bird. Breeding pairs often have more than one partner. Similar to how Stanley has more than one partner than just his wife. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. They are widely considered to be a lazy bird because they are obligatory nest parasites. In other words, they are developmentally unable to build nests and nurture their own young. And so they will plant their eggs in other nests. In other words, they're just kind of really too lazy to deal with their children. I'm just picturing a cowbird like sitting in a tree doing a crossword puzzle while it watches another bird raise its young. <laughs> like, that's what I'm picturing in my head. While this definitely isn't like Stanley in the fact that he's a good father to his daughter, but that doesn't mean he isn't lazy. Like, it's consistently proven how lazy he is in the office. Yep. Males can be recognized by their glossy black body, black legs and feet, and solid brown head. The bill is finch-like and very dark as well. And the females are a plain-looking brownish gray bird with a light throat. Overall, this pretty lazy, not totally monogamous bird is definitely what we think the office Stanley would be represented by. Yep, for sure. Next up, we have Creed. So for Creed, Creed is like such a hard one because like, I feel like I don't know anything about Creed. Yeah, because you don't. You don't. It's like he's the mysteriously weird character. Yeah. So I guess in a sense, it's probably a good bird that we picked for Creed because we picked a migrant bird. It spends a lot of time at sea, not really seen by a lot of people. And that bird is the great Skua. I think I'm saying that right. Skua. Dude, I'm Skua. 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 S-K-U-A. Skua. The great Skua is a migrant bird that wanders the Atlantic and often reaches the east coast of North America in the winter. It breeds on rocky moorings in Iceland, Norway, and the Faroe Islands and the Scottish Islands with a few in mainland Scotland as well. I love this. In Britain, the great skua is sometimes known by the name Bonksy. Bonksy? I don't know. What? It seems like like if 
anyone in the office is going to have a nickname that makes zero sense, it's going to be Creed. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like some game, some name he got like in a biker bar 20 exactly. years ago. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or he like lost his own name in a bet or something. <laughs> so the Great Skewer resembles a dark, heavily built, immature gull. It's dark brown overall with big white flashes in the outer half of its wings. And if you think gulls are thrifty, wait until you hear about the skua. We really wanted to pick a sneaky thriving bird for Creed, and we couldn't think of anything better than the skua. Skuas are basically winged pirates, though a more descriptive common name for them is parasitic Jaegers. They feed by pirating chicks and eggs from the nests of other birds, and they also scavenge at fishing boats. So basically, they're just out to, like, pillage the whole world and, like, will steal from other birds in order to do so. And when we think about how many things randomly went missing at the office at Creed's hand, the skewa definitely makes sense for him. And I can't help but wonder if Creed ever got that third chair, his <laughs> evil chair plan. Like, it must have happened, right? It's got to have happened. It's got to have happened. Despite how much it likes to steal on the ground, most of its diet actually comes from mid-air robbery. Their favorite tactic, which is sometimes performed in teams is to harass fellow seabirds by flying around to the point that those seabirds throw up their catch, which makes for a nice pre-digested meal for the skewa. Ew! <laughs> so disgusting to me. Ugh, I'm going to bother you until you throw up, and then I'm going to gobble what you threw up. Yeah, I mean, I just do that, but I don't make people throw up. I just bother them until they give me their food. If you want to get technical, the term for this behavior is kleptoparasitism, which basically this bird is a klepto exactly like Creed. Speaking of fun words, a group of skuas is collectively known as a shish cab of skuas. Oh my god, it's so close to shish kebab. I know, that's why I had to put that in there. Oh my god, all I can think of is shish kebab now. Oh my god, oh, can you imagine them eating a pre-digested shish kebab? <laughs> How would you even skewer that? Uh, just know, be like vomit on a stick uh, oh my god uh, <laughs> i just imagine someone slapping a stick around in vomit and then licking it uh, <laughs> uh, okay uh gross and terrible thoughts lead us to our next character who is ryan and for ryan he's a sad herring gull desperately hanging out in the walmart parking lot that's all we have for him nothing more yeah, fuck Ryan. Bye. Fuck Ryan. He's the worst. We should also point out that Herring Gall is absolutely doing crack in that parking lot. <laughs> and avoiding avoiding everyone else. Yep. Launching its own startup. <laughs> well, it furiously types away at the computer and does crack right With its webbed it. feet. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Uh, we will move on to Ryan's kind of partner. Not, he doesn't see him as his partner, really. Um, which is Kelly. We chose for Kelly the rosy-faced leopard. So this is a bright-colored bird, um, and they're known for their loud and constant chirping that has been noted to be shrill. Mm -hmm. This definitely made me think of Kelly and how Ryan would probably describe her, but also the fact that they are very, um, they have, like, generally, like, look like they have bright-colored faces, looks like the makeup, she generally likes to wear a lot of makeup, pretty flashy colors, definitely reminded me of her. They are a very social bird who love to gather together and hang around, probably gossiping about their latest crush. And this kind of reminds us of Kelly, too, um, because these birds, obviously love birds, are known for being a symbol of love. And she is commonly falling in love, wanting to be in love, devoting her love to Ryan. So we thought this was a great choice because she's definitely... Trying to get that love. Aw. 
right, last up, and guys, we know that we don't have all the birds here. We'll get to that later. But last up on this list is Meredith. And for Meredith, we chose the red-headed woodpecker. The red-headed woodpecker is so boldly patterned that it has actually been called a flying checkerboard. It has an entirely bright red crimson head, a snowy white body, and its wings are half white and half black. This one was pretty easy to come up with for Meredith because Meredith is also a redhead, but we believe that this comparison goes pretty deep. It turns out that another nickname for the red-headed woodpecker, aside from flying checkerboard, is half a shirt, which sounds a lot like Meredith's style. <laughs> Why is it called half a shirt? I don't know, because it has like bold, like like very distinct markings. Like when you think of other woodpeckers, they're always kind of like spotted or striped or like, but this bird is just like red, white, black, boom, super, very like modern, like 60s pop art bird. It's totally not what the e-bird description says, but that's how yeah, I Yeah, Meredith would definitely wear a half a shirt to work. Yeah, Meredith is absolutely a half a shirt bird. The red-headed woodpecker is regularly found in open forests, including pine plantations and sanding timber in beaver swamps. And for feeding, you'll see them catching nuts on the fall, which also sounds like Meredith if you catch my drift. <laughs> catching nuts, come on. And wandering about catching insects. The red-headed woodpecker nests in cavities, very similar to Meredith's recluse lifestyle. And Meredith, as we all know, has had her fair share of unfortunate circumstances. Oh she got hit by Michael's car. She had a bat encased over her head. She had her hair catch on fire at one time. The list goes on and on. But it turns out that things aren't looking so great for this bird either. The species has declined by over 2% per year between 1966 and 2014, resulting in a cumulative decline of 70%, according to the North American Breeding Bird Survey. Red-headed woodpeckers were once so common that orchard owners and farmers used to pay a bounty for them. In 1840, Audubon reported that 100 of them were shot from a single cherry tree in one day. Oh my god, that's so sad! I know. So, talk about unfortunate. That is definitely an unfortunate thing for Meredith and for the red-headed woodpecker. Even though Meredith doesn't have the best love life, we know she's been divorced twice, we do want to note that the red-headed woodpecker is a very loving bird, and it forms pretty strong pairing bonds, often staying with its mate for several years. So, maybe not exactly like Meredith in that sense, but the redhead analogy was pretty hard to mess up. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I feel like the reclusive lifestyle and also catching nuts is... Also, the, the freaking nickname half a shirt, like, what right. the... What the hell? Like, that is perfect. I feel like that was a good one. So Mo mentioned we didn't get all the characters. We have struggled a little bit with Oscar, so if anyone has any suggestions for Oscar, feel free to email us or... Yeah, also, I just, like, don't want to have to come up with a character for Jan, like, ever. Yeah. But I would really like to see what people think for Gabe, too. Like, Gabe and Aaron and Andy. Like, there's so many characters that we didn't do. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a second episode. So if you have any ideas, yeah, like Sarah said, absolutely send us an email. HelloBirdShit at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram at BirdShitPodcast. And guess what? We're back on Twitter. Woo! Take that, Twitter. Yeah, take that, Twitter. We found you. We're back. So you can find us on Twitter at BirdShitPod because somebody took at Podcast, and that's not cool. And they're not even posting on it. Yeah, dumb. That's probably okay, actually. That way they don't think it's us. That's true. That's probably good. Keep not posting, Birdship Podcast person, yeah. whoever you are. Instead, come to at Pod because... That's us. That's us. That's a cool Twitter. 
Yeah, so Mo and I are going to go back to living uh, in our caves in the winter. It's fucking cold out, and everything is ice here because not only did it snow, it also rained. So got that good combo. And we're probably just going to go watch some more Office. We'd like to get feedback on this episode because it is kind of a weird one. So let us know your thoughts. We definitely have plenty of other TV shows that we could do, but this isn't really resonating with what you want to learn about birds. I don't know. I think it's a pretty good way to remember a bird personality or, like, characteristics about a bird because I love comparisons. Yeah. Yeah, I just realized we can never do a Girl More Girls one because I would have to come up with all of them. That's the thing about The Office is I feel like it transcends a lot of different genres for a lot of people. Like, most people are familiar with at least a lot of it. Or we do a Girl More Girls where I make up all of them having no idea and then you tell me how wrong I am. (laughs) That would work, too. Have you ever seen Mad Men? Uh, I watched, like, three or four episodes. I didn't like it. Okay. I'm fucking, like, that is my favorite TV show of all time. And so that's another one where there's so many characters and there's so many dynamics. Like, you could just go on so many rabbit holes. I feel like you would just, everyone would be, like, an asshole bird that likes power. And then, like, one woman bird that likes power and does well. And the rest are housewife birds. I don't know. And for this bird, we have the housewife bird. bird. wears a cute little apron and goes around feeding its young all day smokes a lot of cigarettes is very depressed and takes prozac secretly (laughs) yeah you know what i think it's just a bunch of red-winged blackbirds it's just like guys going around (laughs) fucking all the other girls getting pissed yeah yeah so there we go we've already done a second episode you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) two for the price of wood even though they're both free Yep. Uh, Whatever weather you're experiencing in this month of January, we hope you are able to enjoy it. And as always, keep your eyes to the skies.